All right, we're continuing our, uh, it's not a series, it's our study, it's where God has led us in Romans, the book of Romans, so that we can have revival in Romans. And uh, uh, man, lots of famous people, famous theologians, famous preachers, famous missionaries through centuries have, got, have, have, have had something in Romans touch their soul and they have had revival. And, and that's available to us in here. And so again, we're starting chapter six now. And uh, the first five chapters, man, Paul hammers it home. He hammers home the fact that, man, you are lost. You come into this world as we kind of hit as a culmination last week. You come into this world in the family of Adam. Everybody comes in Adam, and with Adam comes death. And in other words, uh, because one man, Adam, sinned, he brought sin into the world, and everybody after Adam is a relative of Adam, so you are all part of the Adam's family. How many of y'all last week when I said you're part of the Adam's family, how many of y'all had that song playing in your head? Or whatever, that's a monsters maybe, I don't know. But you are, you come in this world in the Adam's family. And and the way you know is not because you sin, you come in as a sinner, that's why you sin. Just if you were born as a dog, you would bark. If you're born as a sinner, you're going to sin. And so um, that is the telltale sign that you are in the Adam's family. And God gave Adam one command. He said, on the day that you, you have one command, you can do anything you want in this, in, this, in this garden, but you cannot, you cannot eat of this tree of knowledge of good and evil. One command, and they blew it. He had God's word. He blew God's word. And so he sinned. And with sin, he said, in the day that you do this, you will what? What's the three-letter word? You die. That's what's going to happen. You will die. And after that, man has died, correct? How many of y'all are counting on dying one day? <laughs> you know, you're, we're, that, that is what happens. Plants die, animals die, people die. But death came into this world. And so you can't do anything about the fact that you're born into the Adams family. There's nothing you can do about that. But there is something you can do so you don't have to stay in the Adams family. You can be born again. In fact, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. If you don't want to be in the Adams family anymore, you don't want to make decisions that cause death. You don't want to die and be separated from God forever and ever. Yeah, you got to make a decision not to. And at that point, when God gives you the desire and ability to believe his gospel, to believe in what Paul had been talking about really for five chapters, and that is justification by faith, that you don't have to stay in Adam's family. You now can be born again into God's family because of what Christ did on the cross. So how many of you, are, how many of you all know you're born again? You're not in the Adam's family anymore. Amen. Well, I'm glad I'm not in the Adams family anymore. And if you are, you don't have to stay there. If God gives you the desire to surrender everything you know about yourself to everything you know about him, man, give him your life. That's what he wants. You know, he died on a cross. He he uh, he lived a perfect life, died on a cross. He went and, and, and he paid for our sins and he he took the penalty for our sins, the whole nine yards. And if you have the ability to believe that with your head, with your heart, you have the ability to believe it enough that you're going to stake your eternity on it, then you can be saved and you can jump families, be in a new family. And this family, death doesn't come with this, fam with this new family, eternal life comes with this family through Christ. And so that's what he harps on. He wants everybody to know 
it when he's writing to the Romans, which he never got to go see them, and he's writing everything he wanted everybody to know about Christianity. He spent the first five chapters telling everybody, look, this is where it starts. None of this other stuff matters unless you know for sure that when you came into this world, you did not come in pristine and clean and got dirtied up with this world. You came in a filthy sinner. And everyone comes in that way, and that filthy sinner is going to go to hell one day. You, you don't have to stay in that family. You can be born again and into a new family. So now that we start chapter 6, this is where a lot of Christians, or church people, I should say, um, want to jump into Re uh, the book of Romans. A lot of, lot of believers, a lot of people like Romans 6, 7, 8. How many of y'all got a favorite verse out of 6, 7, or 8? Anybody? For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and called according to his purpose. Yeah, man, how many of y'all like that verse? Man, we rely on it. Well, we're going to get it in context <laughs> when we do get to chapter 8. That might be next Christmas. I don't know. But we're moving through Romans fairly quick, actually. So we're already in, uh, again, start in chapter 6. And so chapter 6, it, what he's doing in 6 is he's telling us now, if you believe in justification by faith, you believe that you are justified by God. You are made innocent by God and you are saved. You're his child because you, you, you believe that because that's what the word of God says. Then you have salvation. And he says, now what I want to do is I want to tell you who you are in Christ. Because if you don't know who you are in Christ, then, then you're missing out on a whole lot. Man, if you don't know all the, dude, you join AAA, and if you never know all the benefits, dude, you're stuck on the side of the road, broke down, not even knowing you can call, right? I know that's a bad example, but I'm just saying, because, yeah, their first thing, I remember one time, I'm stuck over there by Sam's on US 1, five, uh, six, seven, eight o'clock at night, and tires are, I got cars this next, blowing by me, this close, and first thing when I called AAA, this is before he had to go online, they were like, are you in a safe place? I said, no, that's why I'm calling you. <laughs> well, can you get in a safe place? No, not safely, and five hours later, they showed up, but anyways, I digress, sorry, but. Again, if you don't know the benefits of something, how can you take advantage of them? How can you enjoy the benefits? And so Satan, if he can't have you forever, he wants to still kill and destroy your life right now. If he, can't, if he knows he's lost you for eternity, he wants to rob you of knowing what you have in Christ here. And in order to be who Christ saved you to be while you're on this planet... You got to know who you are. So again, you must know. That's where we're going today. You must know who you are in Christ in order to be who you are in Christ. Amen. You got to know who you are. So now chapter six, he starts telling us some things that I bet not that you're going to have a theological argument with me. Oh, no, that's not true. Whatever. You're going to be like, hmm, scratching your head saying, well, the word of God says this is true, but this sure ain't how I feel. Word of God says this is true, but... Ooh, that doesn't match my desires. Word of God says this is true, but it's not how I think. And that's the point. If we can start understanding who we are in Christ, then we can start being who we are in Christ. And that's why God wants us to know this and why Paul has wrote this section in here. Chuck, I remember when we were doing your uh, families and how the, the uh, celebration of life, did, uh, did your dad ever sit you boys down and say, now boys, you know who you are. You're a Williams. Did your dad ever say something like that? And that ain't how Williams respond. That ain't how they act. 
you're, you're misrepresenting the family. Or, you know, hopefully there were some proud moments where, oh, that, you look just like a Williams boy. Now, <laughs> that was probably your mom, <laughs> right? But how many of y'all ever had that? Have, had that talk with your dad sat you down or somebody sat you down and you're like, now I want you to know who you are. You're, 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 in, a, you're, you're in this family. You're, you're a, a Kowalski. You're a, a Kalinski. You're a, you're a, Kowalski, Tom Kalinski. You're a, you're a Kalinski. Yeah, you know, we have Kowalskis. Kowalski. Kowalski. I'm just picking on all my Polish friends and she got her name changed. Well, she's back downstairs. Yeah, you had to change her name to something. Yeah, that's all good. But anyways, so, so again, you know who you are. Has, how many of you in a baseball team or a soccer? Uh, Steven, how many great coaches have ever had the great speech? No, you are a Packer and act like a Packer. You better play like a Packer. I mean, how many great, have you ever sat under a coach, even if it's not a great coach, but he gave you that speech? Yes, thank you. That was good because usually you just say God, right? And all that, yeah. Rick, you ever had coaches? How many times on every team you've been on, a coach has probably said, and you know what team you're on. You know what this means to wear this uniform. And you got to know who you are. So you can be who you are. But again, many believers, many, it can only be a believer that's robbed of it. But many believers sell themselves short because they don't know who they are in Christ. When I was studying this week. I saw a, uh, a story. It was out of one of David Gusick's books. And I printed, I posted it on Facebook. You can read it later there. Or you can read it here as I go. But it was a story that just kind of blew me away that reminded me of me sometimes in Christ. So follow me with this story. It's a little history lesson. In the 14th century, two brothers fought for the right to rule over a dukedom in what is now Belgium. The elder brother's name was Reynold, but he was commonly called Crassus, a Latin nickname meaning fat, because he was horribly obese. All right, y'all with me now? Two brothers, right? One dude's fat, one dude's skinny, all right? And they're, they're trying to rule over, over Belgium in this. All right. After a heated battle, Reynolds' younger brother, Edward, led a successful revolt against him and assumed the title of Duke over his lands. But instead of killing Reynold, Edward devised a curious imprisonment. He had a room in the castle built, get this, built around Crassus, a room with only one door, the door was not locked, the windows were not barred, and Edward promised Reynold that he could reign his land or regain his land and any time he wanted to. All he would have to do is leave the room. <laughs> you see where this is going? The obstacle to freedom was not in the doors and windows, but in Reynold himself. Being grossly overweight, he could not fit through the door even though it was of near normal size. All Reynold needed to do was diet down to a smaller size, then walk out a free man with all he had before his fall. However, check this out, his younger brother kept sending him an assortment of tasty foods. <laughs> How many of y'all would be stuck in the room? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? His brother said, hey, hey, here's the door, go. There's a window, jump. But you can't fit out of it. And I'm going to keep sending you tasty foods, an assortment of tasty foods. And Reynolds' desire to be free 
never won out over his desire to eat. Oh, go back one more. Some would accuse Duke Edward of being cruel to his older brother, but he would simply reply, my brother's not a prisoner. He may leave whenever he wills. But Reynolds stayed in that room for 10 years until Edward himself was killed in battle. This accurately illustrates the experience of many Christians. Jesus set them forever free legally. And they may walk in that freedom from sin whenever they choose. But since they keep yielding their body, bodily appetites to the service of sin, they live in a life of defeat, discouragement, and imprisonment. So again, let's put this in this perspective. Isn't that a crazy story? Dude, he could leave whenever he wanted. What do you have to do? Make different choices. That he had, did he have the ability to make the choice? Does anybody have had a gun? No, you have to eat these tasty treats. No. He had choices he had to make. So again, here's where we are spiritually. When we come into this world, we come in in, this, in, in, in Adam. We come in the family of Adam. We come into the world as sinners. And a sinner can only do one thing, which is what? What can a sinner do? What's the only thing a sinner can do, y'all? Sin. And that's the nature. That's what a sinner does. Even if a sinner's doing good things, even if a sinner's going to church, even if a sinner's serving in church before they're born again, they're still a sinner. They're doing a good thing for the wrong reason. They're not doing it to bring glory and praise and honor to God like we we're so beautifully singing about. They're doing it for them because, wow, I feel better about myself if I do this. Oh, wow, there'll be more benefits. Hey, uh, let, let me ask you a question. Julia, uh, me and you moved over here. If your kids, and I always just kind of pick on you on this, if your kids want to have a successful life in their house, if they want to have a joyous life in your house, who do they have to obey? Yeah, you, yeah, mom and dad, right. It, it, and it's their choice. So are there consequences if they don't obey you guys? If they just run ransack, if they do all kinds of things contrary to what you want them to do, there's consequences. You still love them very much, but there's consequences. And it's the same thing. So again, um, they're your children. They do the right thing if they want to live a successful life. So there's so many people that do the religious thing. They do the right thing in society. Whatever society says is acceptable, whatever society says will work. And, and they play along. But again, so lost people, sinners can do the right thing, but for the wrong motivation. And again, there is a benefit in that. But at some point, you realize there's an eternal disadvantage of that situation. And God gives you the desire and ability to believe, man, with, I'm lost. I'm going to hell forever. And I'm only on this earth for 100 grains of sand. And eternity isn't even represented by all the other sand in the universe. I need self. I can't save myself. I have blown perfection. I, 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 I could not achieve that. And you find out that Christ achieved perfection for you and says, here, I'll offer you my perfection and I'll take your imperfection. And you say, that's a good deal. How many of y'all say that's a good deal? Yeah. How many of y'all said that was a good deal when you really realized you needed a deal? You really realized you didn't want what was behind curtain number two, which was your life. You didn't want all of that. Man, I have blown perfection. I cannot achieve. And God requires it. And God offers you that deal to have what Christ had, had done. And he gives you that. And you give him what you've done. And he takes the punishment for that. So at some point, you say, it's a good deal. God, I, I want to be born. I need to be saved. And, and, and so I give you my life. So let me ask you a question. When you gave God your life, okay? Bob, when, when you gave God your life, did you get new desires? Yeah, you got a new inside, didn't you? 
How many of y'all got a new inside? You got new desires, new, new like ways to think about things. How many of y'all became new inside? You were renewed, right? But how many of y'all, Bob, did you get a brand new body though? No. Anybody here get a brand new body when you gave your life to Christ? No. You wish you did, right? God didn't pursue you far enough. It's like, yeah, you got me a new inside, but I want a new outside. Anybody here want a new outside? It's coming. Quit eating so healthy. You'll go see Jesus quicker. No, I'm just joking. Emily had to be out of business. I was like, that's not funny. <laughs> it's like, but seriously, that's when we get a new body. But we got a new inside, didn't we? That's our soul. That's the old man. That's the new man. Our old man, the old soul that wanted to do things our way for us and, and only cared about us. Dad got crucified on the cross. He's done. We got a brand new inside. But we didn't get a brand new body, did we? That's what's affectionately referred to as the flesh. So when you start looking at Romans and you look at this, you'll see the old man's gone. The old man's dead. The old man can't sin. The old man doesn't sin, but you're like, I still sin. You know why? Because you have flesh. Because Satan created a world system that we are being run by that feeds the flesh. So even though you have a new soul, you don't have two natures anymore. You got one nature. You, you got a, a new soul, the, a, a, one that desires God. You got a new inner man, whatever semantics you want to use. That's what they use as inner man. But you didn't get a new body. How many of y'all ever have a situation where God wants you to do something, but you're like, nope, my body wants to do something else, <laughs> right? Yeah. My mind wants to do something else. My desires want to do something else. My emotions want to do something else. That's all your body. Your internal being, you're going to see whether you believe it or not. And that's what we're going to talk about today is you've got to believe what God's word says. You've got a new inside man. And, and let me ask you a question. How many, Tom, are you going to take this body to heaven with you? No. How much of this body do you want to go to heaven with you? Absolutely none of it. None of it. It's not going, but the inside, not your guts, but your soul. That's what lasts forever. Your new soul, your new being, your inner man is going to heaven and going to be there forever. And we get a brand new body. Amen. But it's this old body. Man, how many of y'all got used to doing things in your old body? Before you got saved, you just did things in your body. It became habit. It became tradition. It became things we just did. Well, when this happens, this is what my body does. This is what I do with my mouth. This is what I do with my thoughts. This is what I do. This is what I do. Well, guess what? Now you got a war inside because your new body's saying, no, we don't do that. But your old man was trained for how many years? And, and, it's, and, and you ever heard that saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? No, you got to make them brand new inside. But the old dog still wants to do those old tricks. That's why you keep going back into what you used to go back into. But today we're going to see you don't have to. So you come in as Adam, God changes you internally, changes you, but the outside, your flesh, who is totally corrupt, is still desires this world and what the world has to offer, and it's designed by Satan. It's all going to go away one day. And when we die, we go to heaven and we're raptured, we lose this body, and all we have is the inner man, and all we can do is what God wants us to do, and Chuck, we can never get in trouble again. Amen! <laughs> yes! In that. Never get in trouble again. So that's where we're at. So I want you to understand, you have an old man. The old man is your old self before you got saved. 
with all your selfish desire. Uh, maybe you were Billy Biblehead in Sally Sunday School and you knew all these verses and could do all these different things, all these religious things, but you know you needed to be born again. And God changed your inside through grace. He changed you, but you still got this flesh. I, I, I want to give the credit to John MacArthur, not sure who, but a long, long time ago, I heard an illustration about how when we come into the world, we're like a pig. All right, and if any of y'all like pigs, they're like your pet little stuffed animal thing. I'm sorry, I'm not being bad towards pigs or whatever, but we're like a pig. We roll around in the mud, the slop, all the parasites and flukes and all this stuff. Does a pig wash its food before it eats it? Does a pig? No, dude, the mud add extra flavor, man. It's good stuff, you know? Even if there's pig manure on it, it's like, woo, a little extra there. It hadn't been digested yet, but anyway, sorry about that. But I'm just saying a pig is nasty, I will say they're not as nasty as chickens, but for, for the sake of everything, we understand pigs are nasty. You come in the world as a pig, right? You're rolling around in this world, you're all nasty, you're dirty, you keep getting sick from it, all this stuff, and at some point, you're like, you have an option that says, do you still want to be a pig? No, man, I'm kind of tired of being a pig. I think you, you get a new desire, and the new desire is to now be a cat, okay? What's the difference between cats and pigs just in the illustration so far, Fernanda? Pigs want to roll in mud. What do cats want to do? Yeah, don't get me anywhere near the nasty mud of this world. Don't let me get dirt. Oh, ah, I got some on my paw. How many of y'all are cat people and you know that? How many of y'all, if y'all hate cats, don't raise your hand right now because you're around cat people and they have claws that will come out. I'm just saying. But, but the thing is, we start out as a pig, all rolling in the mud of this world and the mire of this world, and God gives an opportunity to clean things up. He changes us and turns us into a cat. But now we're in a predicament because now we are cats. We don't want to be dirty. We want to do cat things. What do cats like to do? Climb trees, chase my, chase lasers, all kinds, whatever. We Dude, can you imagine a pig chasing a laser in your living room? <laughs> I'm just saying. Pig trying to climb a tree. Oh, you got new things you can do that you couldn't do as a pig and vice versa in all of that. But now you've gotten a new nature, a new desire. How many of y'all would agree that cats and pigs have different desires? Very different desires. But now the predicament is you're now a cat, but you're in a pig body. You see what our predicament is? He changed our inside, our nature, to be a cat, but we still have a pig body. And if there's a good-looking enough mud puddle over there, I don't care how much pig manure is in that especially if there's food on the other side. And so as a cat, man, if I'm thinking like a cat, Barb, am I going to go cross that big mud puddle and get all nasty and messy and go feed, eat out of that nasty feeding trough? How many of y'all think your cat would do that? No. So what's got to happen? I got to start thinking like a pig again. And then guess what? I start thinking like a pig again. I stick my hand, foot in the mud. I might get a little bit. I might get a, it might, for me, it might be, I'm lured by food and I get all the way to the trough and I take my first bite and realize this is not tender vittles or whatever y'all sell at them fancy high dollar cat stores. I don't know, but I'm just saying, I realize, dude, this is not me. Have you ever done that as a believer? You start thinking like your old self again and then you get over there and all of a sudden you've done it. And all of a sudden, now you remember you're a cat, and you're like, oh, God, how am I going to get? And you're like, this is nasty. Anybody ever felt like that as a believer? This is nasty. I don't want to do this. I don't. God, forgive me. 
And you come back and he cleans you up through repentance and that. And now you're back walking with him. He says, be holy because I'm holy. That's who we are in him. So we come as well as a pig. We get born again. We get a cat nature, but we still got a pig body. And one day we will lose this pig body. Amen. And only desire what God wants us to have. So, man, we got to understand if you're a cat, dude, you got to understand you're a cat. Dude, have you ever had a, I've heard of people had dogs that thought they were cows. Any of y'all ever had a confused animal? <laughs> An animal thought they were something they really weren't. You ever, well, some of y'all got animals that think they're humans, right? Or at least you anthropomorphize that, right? And, and there's a problem in all of that, you know? There's a problem when we don't understand our identity. Can you imagine a culture where people, I'm talking over here on the lost side, where people don't understand their identity? Could you imagine? Can you imagine if a person thought they were a cat? Oh, wait, I just saw that on the news. There was one. How could that cause some problems, Terry? Yes, especially when I want to take them full bout and they want to ride the airplane and I'm shoving them in a, in a, in a crate and putting them underneath. No, wait, I'm not a cat now. You know, There's problems when we don't know who we are. Is that not why society is so messed up right now? How many of y'all, I don't want you to even say it, but how many of y'all can come up with at least one illustration where you know for a fact that somebody in society you have heard is messed up because they have an identity crisis? They don't know who they are. If some of y'all ain't been on Facebook lately, y'all need to go, you will say, what? No, you are not that. No, you're not a woman. No, you're not a man. No, you're not both. No, you're not. Again, and I, I don't even have to go. Y'all, you know what God did, but I'm saying, can you imagine how confusing the world would be when people don't know who they are? And we're just talking about the plain world where, honestly, y'all, you, you just look in the mirror and figure out who you are. Now, can you imagine if Satan can get the whole world confused about their identity? How messed up he can make things. And imagine if Christians don't read God's word and they don't believe what his word says and they buy into the garbage of the world. Oh, well, maybe they're sincere. All that matters is if you're sincere, right? Is that, that's all that matters, Ashley, right? Oh, Johnny, that's all that matters is sincere. I play with chairs every week, right, don't I? Uh, in all of that. Chuck, you didn't, oh, hang on, hang on. I hope I didn't mess this thing up. Oh, is there only supposed to be one battery in this? Oh, good. Whoo, man. So all that matters were sincere. Johnny, I am going to smash you in the head with this chair. And I sincerely believe it will not hurt. How many of y'all are with me? How many want to see me? How want to see me smash Johnny in the head with this chair and see if my sincerity really works? Marley, you're laughing now. How about I switch it to you? No, I'm just saying. Does it, what, what matters if you're sincere or whether it's the truth? The truth, because if I hit Johnny in the head, Carly, Johnny's got a harder head than most, doesn't he? Oh, I made you say it, didn't I? But it would still hurt, wouldn't it? Yeah. Even if I'm sincere, that it's not going to hurt, Johnny. It's not going to hurt. It's still going to hurt because the truth is you get hit in the head with a chair, it hurts. We got to know the truth. So you see why Satan, what a field day he's having through social media, confusing people on who they are. And if he can get Christians to start buying into the lies of the world and we start getting confused as to 
Well, maybe that's so. Oh, here's what science says. You know what science says? I know I'm going to get a scientist who's watching. I got blasted last time. You know what a lot, a lot of science says? Whatever the funding says they're supposed to say. I am not saying there are not good scientists. And I'm not saying there is not good science. We have all of that. But much of science has to be funded. And science says what the funding tells it to say. So I don't really care about your story. I'm looking at real. You know what story I care about? I care about God's story. Because God's story is telling us the truth. And if it coincides with the truth, then amen. But you have a discrepancy between what your scientific study says and what the Word of God says, guess where I'm going, folks? And I'm encouraging you to come with me. I'm going over there. Now, do we study science? Do we teach our kids science? Absolutely. So that when they see crud science, when they see bought science, they know it's not true. This is not real. Because if we can keep people in the dark, then they never know the truth. That's what the dark ages were all about. Go back in history and study that. So we want to have revival through Romans. In order to have that, you must know who you are in Christ in order to be who you are in Christ. Because if you don't know who you are in Christ, guess what the world would... You know what the devil would love to tell you? Who you are in Christ. He'd love to define who you are in Christ and get it all wrong. Make it all about guilt. Make it all about failure. Make it all about, about getting beat up by God. About God hating. He'd love to make it all about the wrong things. So you wouldn't worship him. You wouldn't know how good he actually is. And you know what? He does that. He does it through cults. And I'm defining cult as someone who has bad theology that doesn't coincide with God's word. You must know who you are in Christ in order to be who you are in Christ. So check this out. I'm pointing over here. See. Oh, there we go. Okay. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 uh, through 11. He, he starts out, and he's anticipating questions. Because if you remember at the end of chapter 5, what he said at the end of chapter 5 was, hey, look, man, you're, you're in Adam's family. You don't have to stay in Adam's family, and you can come over to God's family. Well, what about me? I've got sin. You don't know how bad of a sinner I am. And he says, oh, no. There's something called grace that covers every sin. In order, no matter how bad your sin is, you come over. His grace covers it. And even though you continue to sin because you see the world through the flesh's eyes, you see things through the flesh, and you continue to sin, His grace will cover that. And so the legalistic Jews didn't like that. They said, you're giving people a, 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 a license to sin. You can't. You're giving them a license to sin. And it's all about the Mosaic law. Yes, they need to be circumcised. Yes, they need to do this. They need to do that. They have to do all this stuff. You're giving them a license to sin. Paul said, oh, no, I'm not giving a license to sin. I'm giving them the truth they need so they can be holy like their father's holy. And then the other people, the isms of Gnosticism, all these others were like, oh, grace covers it? Oh, wait, is God, let me ask you a question. Is God glorified by issuing grace? Yes, Paul said that a couple times already. So they're like, Terry, hmm, God is glorified if he gets to dish out some grace. You know what? When I screw up, he gets to issue grace. So the more I screw up, the more I mess up, the worse I am. <gasps> the more I'm bringing God glory because God forgives everything. God issues grace. Out. So you know what? I can live however I want. My soul is saved forever. That's the Gnostics. 
but my body's evil, so, and it's going to do evil, so why fight it, dude? I, I, I'm going to go to heaven forever by grace. You already said that, Paul. But now with my body, why fight it like you are? Let me just do whatever I want to, because God's going to be glorified when I rob my neighbor's blind. God's going to be glorified when, when I act like a jerk. God's going to be glorified when his grace comes. Is that right? Were the Jews right? Were those people right? No, Paul wants to get it straight, and he says no. You, if that's your mentality that you have a license to sin, you don't understand grace. Because in Philippians, he defines it in chapter 2, verse 13, he says it's the, de the definition of grace is the desire and ability to do God's will. Grace doesn't give you a freedom to sin, it gives you a freedom so you don't have to sin. So look what he says then. He says, okay, I'm going to presuppose your question. What shall we say then? Are we continue in sin so grace may be abound is that the deal there should we just sin like tell your daughters teach them go sin salma sophie go sin no terry's like oh no no go sin god will forgive it and he's got grace and every time god bails you out from your stupid decision he gets glory because that's the testimony everybody wants to hear right no, Terry's like, no, what do you think if you're shaking your head as their father, what do you think our heavenly father's doing as our heavenly father? He's going, no, Paul, get this straight, straighten them out right now, they're messed up. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may be abound? And you know what Paul says? He said, heck no. That's the way the Greek translates out. He, with the most emphatic way he can say it, he says, absolutely not. Look what he goes on to say, by no means. And in fact, in the Greek, there's no stronger way to say it. What are you, crazy? Like Terry, when he was shaking his head, looking at me, don't tell my girls to sin, don't. but God's going to be glorified. Austin, you can sin and God's glorified. And, and, no, no, by no means. And look what he says, how can we die to sin and still live in it? So he's going to show us how we have died to sin. Our inner man has died and can't sin. If you've died in sin, you can't live in it. You can't die to something and live in it at the same time. Let me ask you a question. Can you quit smoking and then still smoke and say you quit smoking? Now, Barbara, you're shaking your head because you've done that before, right? I did it too, man. Forever. That was the hardest drug for me to quit was nicotine. Back when I was 25, man, it took everything I had. And I don't want any of y'all to ever get messed up with any addictive thing because anytime anything has control over you, God Almighty doesn't have control over you. So I don't care what, I don't care if it's playing the arcades that keep getting busted. I sure don't want to see any of y'all's pictures in the newspaper. I don't care what the addiction is. Whatever it has control over you, God doesn't have control over you. And so can, 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 you, can you quit gambling and still gamble? No. Can you quit lying and still lie? Can you quit stealing and still steal? No, can you quit something and still do it? Can you quit eating and still eat? Only if you left some in your mouth, but you're still eating. I'm just saying, you, when you quit something, when you die to it, when it's over, it's over, and you can't keep doing it. That's what he's saying. You died to sin, so how are you going to keep living in it? If you keep living in it, Julia, did you die to it? No, you're still alive in it. Quit fooling yourself. That's what he's saying. By no means, how can we, who died in sin, still live in it? <laughs> Wait a minute. Can you, it, it just can't happen. He says, do you not know, and he's saying they all do know this. 
Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now, this word, some people want to take this baptism and apply it to water baptism that we do. But the Greek word for this baptism actually means to be immersed in. It means to be totally immersed the way we do baptism. When we baptize you, Nick, where's Nick? Nick, raise your hand. I see, oh, we baptize you. How much of you did we take under, bro? Dude, you were covered, man. Took all of it, right? Uh, and, and brought you back up again. So he said, do you not know that he's not talking about the, the ordinance of baptism here? What he's actually talking, ordinance of baptism describes, it's a symbol of what he's actually talking about. Do you not know that all of us who have been immersed into Christ. If you're immersed into water, Chuck, how much is covered with water? All of you, if you're immersed into Christ, how much are you covered in Christ? Exactly, that's the point. This isn't about baptism. Should we sprinkle? Should we dunk? Should we whatever? Uh, sprinkle, dunk, whatever. No, that's not what it's about. What it's about is those of you who got saved, you got immersed in Christ. Bob, when you gave your life to Christ, I'll never forget after COVID when we met for the no service. Anybody remember the no service out at Blue Heron, out there? When we first, we couldn't get in this building, and they said, oh, you can meet again. And we all went, we got eaten by no. Bob comes up to me, man, I didn't see him. He's like, guess what, guess what? Dude, you know what? I knew what happened to him. He was immersed in Christ. <laughs> you know, if somebody jumps in a septic tank and they come out, Marley, and they're like, oh, guess what? Guess what? It's like, I already know what happened, dude. When you're immersed in something, it's not hard to tell, right? Bob was immersed in Christ. He's coming to me. Guess what? Guess what? And just because I wanted to hear it out of his words, that I gave my life to Christ, man. You know, I already knew because you were immersed in him. He said, don't you know that all of us who have been immersed in Christ Jesus we were immersed into his death. We went into his death with him. That's what he's saying. Now, how many of y'all were around in 33 AD and got, no, but God doesn't live by time. And what he's saying is something you're going to have to believe by faith because he says, you've been immersed into Christ. You were immersed into his death. And so let me, let me do this here. Uh, so, oh, hang on. I got a bucket here and, uh, Let's just say, this is you, okay? This is you, all right? This is Christ. And what does he say? You are in Christ, all right? So this is you. Wherever Christ goes, what's true about you? You're going the same place, right? And if God doesn't live by time, then you know what? You're in Christ of all, from Christ of all time because how many of y'all are counting on being in Christ in the future? Yeah, when he goes to heaven. We are in Christ when he went to the cross, that's where he took our sins from three o'clock, 12 o'clock to three o'clock. He took the penalty. He took the spanking you were supposed to have for your sins. You were there because Christ was there. If I mailed this bucket to China, if I mailed Christ to China, where would you be? In China. Yeah. Wherever he goes, you go. That's what it means when it says here that those of us who have been immersed into Christ, we were immersed in his death. So everything that happened to his death is accounted to us. Whenever you give your life to Christ and you decide, or he decides, I should say, that you're going into him, because that's what being saved is. Not following a bunch of religious rules, it means you are now in Christ. I got to crumple it up so I can get it better. So whenever it was that you decided how, I'm going into Christ. Even though you and Chuck decided at different times, guess what? You both were there 
at his death. So if, if you're in Christ when he died, what happened to you, Rick? You died. You died. Wait a minute, I don't want to die. You know what, that's what lost people say. I don't want to die. I like my old life. I like who I am. I don't want to lose my identity. I don't want to lose. No, I'm not going to die. Guess what? That's what lost people say. Say people say, I got to die to switch families. I'm in. <laughs> I got to die to spend eternity in heaven. I'm in. I got to die to have the power to not sin and keep getting drug around by my old nature. And all the devil's got to do is dangle the right bait and me go, I'm in. I'll die. I'll die. Lost people say, I'm not going to die. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to add Christ. I'm just going to add Christ to my life. Guess what? You're not saved. You didn't die. Dude, I don't want my old life. There was some good stuff there that maybe, but I wouldn't trade a moment of my old life for a moment of, I wouldn't, for, for a moment of my new life. I'm in Christ. And so in this, he says, you've been, back, you've been immersed into Christ Jesus and you were immersed into his death. Don't, and again, he's not, he, he's, he's stating a fact. Because look how he's asking us a question. Don't you know? And it's a rhetorical question. Terry, don't you know? You jump in water, you're going to get wet. Don't you know? Don't you know you have daughters who are going to get, they're going to date? No, don't you know? I'm sorry. <laughs> don't you know? Don't you know? That's what he's saying, right? Don't you know? This is going to happen. Like, duh. Don't you know that all of us who have been immersed into Christ, we were baptized. We were immersed into his death. We died with him. So, again, what's the F word that it's going to take to be able to believe that? Faith. Yeah, because do you have, do you have a photo album, JT? A little photo album, you know, that you can pull out and say, oh, this was the day I went that I was, I was immersed in death with Christ. Here's my, here's my immersion day. How many of y'all celebrate your immersion day? I guess, or whatever. I mean, we should. Mine was June 27, 1988. That's when I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew. Right? I'm not saying you have to, but there's a day where you had to change. If you have grace of God and the grace didn't change you, man, it didn't save you. There's got to be a time where you changed. There's no other way you're going to see this is what he's going to say. But again, so you can't go back and look in your photo album. Your mom didn't have a photo album the day you died. You know, she, didn't, she wasn't there snapping pictures at Christ's death. No. But the word of God tells us as a fact that that's what happened, right? So Austin, you got to have faith. If you believe, do you believe God's word? Okay, you're just saying that because Terry's like, you know, only one away from you over here. And you're, you're, oh, dude, you are in a mom-dad sandwich. And you've got two pieces of lettuce protecting you. That's it. All right, but <clears throat> I just saw, isn't that crazy? I don't know what you're doing, Selma. You're on the outside kind of directing traffic. But, dude, but look, man, you were, you died with Christ. The only way you're going to understand that, the only way you're going to believe it is if you believe it. And that's what living by faith is. You don't have evidence. You don't have pictures. You don't have tangible stuff. What you have is God's word. How many of y'all believe God's word? How many of you ever have a hard time believing it sometimes? That's when our belief, our faith has to override our thoughts, has to override our emotions, and it has to override our desires. That's why we have to be in God's word. That's why we have the armor of God. So that, so that his word overrides everything we feel and perceive to be real. 
Well, wait a minute. I saw it. I experienced it. How many of y'all ever been tricked by an illusionist? <laughs> you ever seen a good illusionist, man? Dude, we didn't even see a good one. We were at the zoo or somewhere with Keone, and we sat down and watched this illusionist, and he's doing things, and I watched Keone on purpose because I wanted to see how, he, in his innocence, how he would respond. Keone was looking. He's like, I said, what do you think, Keone? He said, that didn't happen, but I saw it. He's like, I said, well, you saw it? Do you believe it happened? He said, no, I saw it. I just don't understand it, but I know it didn't happen. That's faith. You know it. You know what God's word says is true, contrary to what you believe, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and what you desire. That's always got to be overruled. So again, he said, don't you know that you who have been immersed in Christ, you were immersed in his death, you were there at his death. Look at the next verse. You were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. So you were buried into him by when you got immersed into him into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from... All right, so here's Christ. All right, here's Christ. You got buried with him. You got immersed with him into death. So when he died, you died with him, right? So what happens if this bucket now go, it comes, comes from the dead? We bury this bucket. It's dead. Donna, what happens now if this bucket rises from the dead and you're in it? Yes, you now rose from the dead. How many of you rose from the dead? Trick question. How many of y'all rose from the dead? Yes. How many of y'all remember that day? How many of y'all were taking selfies on the way up? Woohoo! <laughs> if it's not on a selfie and I didn't get to post it, it didn't happen. That's the world we live in. Do you not think the enemy's doing that on purpose? How many of y'all remember a day that you ever had in your life where you went a day or two without taking a picture? And y'all remember that? Man, it's we're so inundated about. And again, so. Faith says, you don't have a picture of this, you know? Eric, you ever have anybody tell you a fish story, bro? Oh, have you ever told a fish story, right? Yeah, how, how do you, when you catch a fish and the guy's taking a photograph, how do you hold it? Do you hold it like this? Show me how you hold it, Eric. Yes, and you're stretching your arms out so the camera, it looks bigger, right? And what if you told somebody you caught a fish this big, what's the first thing they want to see? A picture. And if you ain't got a picture, what are you? A liar, because that's the way the world's trained us. But in Christ, he says, we have to have faith. We believe his word over a picture. We believe his word. And his word is counterintuitive to everything about this world. Because again, remember, this world was created by Satan to feed our flesh, which is the only thing that we have left from the old man, and it does a good job of attracting it and feeding it. That's why we have to stay immersed in Christ's word so we know who we are. We know that I don't have to sin. I don't care how strong the temptation. I don't have to sin. If I sin now, why am I sinning, Bob? Because I chose to, right? Because my flesh thought it was something. It looked good, or I thought I needed it, or I knew better than God. One of those three things. That's what John 1 John 2.16 says, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. We chose. The devil can't make you do it. I always think of Geraldine. Who knows who Geraldine is, y'all? First cross-dresser on TV, Flip Wilson show. Only back then it was a joke, all right? 
And, and she'd get in all these predicaments, and she'd get in trouble. And what does she always say, y'all? Give me your best Geraldine voice. That's it. I know y'all, some of you younger people are like, what the heck did they watch on TV? Man, we don't even watch TV. We watch our phones. No, like, yeah, the devil made me do it. The devil can't make you do it. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism. We were immersed in him in baptism into his death. When he died, we died in order that. So the reason we died, hey, in order for you to be resurrected, Eric, I'm only saying that because I see you got a mouthful of coffee right now. In order to be resurrected, what has to happen before you can be resurrected? Yeah, to raise a boat from the depths of the ocean. What's the, what has to happen? The boat's got to sink, right? Again, so he said, you had to die in order to be How many of y'all are grateful that Christ rose from the dead and you were raised with him? So in order for that to happen, you had to die. He said, therefore, you were buried Therefore, with him by baptism, immersed with him into death, you died with him in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, the bucket's raised and you're in Christ. What happened to you when Christ got raised? JT, what happened? You got raised. But you got, you got pictures. Your mom got pictures of that. Surely your mom was not so negligent that she did not take pictures the day you got raised with Christ, man. Oh, your resurrection day, she didn't have pictures. No, she probably took pictures of you in your nice little light blue suit when you were a kid on Easter Sunday. All little kids have one of them, but, but I'm saying we don't have pictures to prove it, do we? But we have something more important than pictures. We have God's word. This is what has to happen. You have to believe who you are in Christ so that you can be who you are in Christ. But if you don't know who you are in Christ, then you're going to go with everything tangible that you see and that you experience and that you're a part of. And that's a lie. You live in a big illusion. So you're like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How many of y'all believe you can turn on the news and not be misled? Give, again, I'm not saying everything they say is wrong. And again, how many of you, 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 you see that as we go further in time, this world is an illusion? It's Satan's world. He's the master liar. What kind of world do you think he's going to produce? And why do you think God keeps harping on the fact that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God? Well, you don't know. I, I don't watch that television station or that news. I watch this news station. We're all being deceived. That's why Christ said at the end, every time they said, Jesus, when are you coming back? What are the signs? What are the... He said, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. You follow my word and you won't be deceived. You follow the world, you will be deceived no matter what side you are on. He said, you were buried therefore with him by baptism so that once you died with him, you could be risen with him. He was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. We too might walk in newness of life. So again, when we face temptation, when we face good things in life, when we face tough things in life, what power do we have to face them in? A, our own power, Emily, or B, Skylar, resurrection power. Good answer, man, especially since you're fixing to marry my daughter and you're going to be her spiritual leader. When I hand you over, dude, you understand that's what we're doing, right? All right. I'm just saying, that's what he said. You were raised with him, so now you have supernatural spiritual power. Any, you have newness of life. You have a new life like you've never had before. But again, 
Do you, have you ever come home from a long day out of the club, Ann? A long day when y'all up in Vermont, man, long day. I don't know, was it just Bob working or did you work too? Oh, you worked? All right, good, good. Did you ever come home from a long day and, and felt like, oh boy, I got newness of life? <laughs> Some days you come home and you feel like, man, I got oldness of life. <laughs> I'm whooped, I'm tired. But what, is, what does God's word say? April, what does God's word say? What kind of life? You're an introvert and you're posted all that introvert stuff, thinking that that was, and you sit in the back thinking that was going to stop me from asking you a question. It only instigated me asking you a question. April, the word of God says you have newness of life. So at your worst, worst, tiredest moment, what kind of life do you actually have? Newness, yes. Yeah, newness. Reminder of that, Gavin. It'll be good. Ask me for more marriage tips, too, all right? When she's just really whooped and tired, say, hey, suck it up, honey. You got newness of life. I mean, I'll think that's a good idea. <laughs> no. In love, say, God, show me how I can show her she has newness of life. But we got to believe God's word over how we feel, over how we think, over how, what we desire. We got to believe God's word over that. He's telling us these are the facts. This is what you got. <coughs> so moving on. He said, for if we have been united with him in death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. So bottom line, Sue, you died when you gave your life to Christ. You died with him on the cross. You, you rose with him when he rose, and you ascended with him when he ascended. This is spiritually. You've got to believe this is where you're at spiritually. And you shall God, ask God how to apply this on a daily basis. But I don't see defeat in there anywhere. But you, in order to be who Christ has called you to be, you've got to understand who he's called you to be. He's given you newness life. We have, we have been raised with him. So did God say, oh, hey, here's what I want you to do, Gary. It's a tough job. I'm going to flood your condo. Is that a bad subject? I'm just sorry. <laughs> that was a while ago. Man, I'm going to flood your condo, and I want glory out of it. And now you, at 75, just because you told us you're 75, like Abraham when he first, did you know that's how old Abraham was when God first gave them the promise they were going to have a kid now? <laughs> yeah, but if God gave you that word, man, if God gave you the word, yeah, but I'm not saying God did give you the word, but I'm just saying, God says, I'm going to flood your condo, I want for, I'm going to get glory out of this, and I want you to muster it up all out of your energy. <laughs> well, how do you feel about that, Gary? Tired, because you haven't even started, but when you can do it in his resurrection power. When you can pray and say, God, do something so supernatural. And we may start out that way. We may progress that way. But eventually in these projects and in these things where God wants glory, sometimes and even halfway through, right, Chuck? Halfway through, we run out of steam. We got to go back to God and say, God, give me the power. God, set up something so supernatural that only you can get blamed. God, do something. So I, I, that's why I'm putting the joy bucket so everybody can hear what you've done, God. Do something so great. Instead of, oh, all right, uh, I hurt my leg. I got one leg left and one arm left, and I'm going to get this done. And uh, That's what we do as Christians because we don't know who we are. When God wants to do something so supernatural that only he can get blamed. But you got to wait on that. you got to wait. Well, God ain't going to get it done in time, is he? <laughs> Whose time? Your time? He'll get it done in his time. And it'll be perfect. Man, we've been united with him in death like this. We certainly will be united with him in resurrection like this. We know that our old self 
All right, get it. This is not the flesh. This is our old person. We know that our old self was crucified with Christ in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved by sin. We may have to end after this one. I don't know. We see. Look at that. We know. We know. Rick, what does that mean that we know? Yeah, what are some things you know? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, we know. We're positive. We're positive. So here's what he says. We know we are positive of this. We are positive that our old self, the old Ashley, the old Ashley, we're positive that the old Eddie was crucified with him. So listen, here he is. You put your life in him. You, die, you died, but he's going back even further. He's going back to crucifixion. Surely your mom's got a picture of your crucifixion, right? Oh, what kind of mom did you have, man? A cameraless mom? How are we going to prove that? How are you going to prove? How do you know this is true, JT? What's the F word? Faith. Because God said it. That's how I knew it. I don't need a picture. I don't need a bunch of relatives telling me, oh, we were there, we saw it. No, I need God's word just saying this is what happened. We, your old self, Bob, when you gave your life to Christ, the old Bob died. That's what crucifixion was. It was did anybody come back from crucifixion? No, you died. How many of you are glad that you get to experience this spiritually and you weren't there physically? Yeah. He took all of that for you and he gave you credit for that. He says, you were there. I did it. You're there with me. So you were there when he died. You were there when he was crucified. You're like, pastor, you're nuts. No, if anybody's nuts, it's the word of God that's nuts. Because tell me, is that not what it says? Look at it. I don't care how you want to explain this away. We know our old self. That's the old Gabrielle, the old Caitlin, the old Sabrina, the old Bob, the old Ann, the old Eddie. We know that old person was crucified, killed with him in order that the body of sin, because what if you're born in Adam, you're born a sinner, and what do sinners do? They sin. Yeah, that body that all it could do was sin might be brought to what? Ashley, what does it say? Brought to what? Nothing. So it's brought to nothing. How much of it's left? None of it. It's gone, that old man, those old desires. Now, you live in this pig body, you live in this flesh, and the world feeds the flesh, so you got to be careful not to entice the flesh with this world. That's why he says stay out of the things of this world. And don't always be fighting. You're not always on a devil fight. What you're busy doing is you're busy living your Christian life. You're busy living your spiritual life, and as you're busy living that, are you even paying attention to what the devil's doing? No. So know that your old self, it was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So can the devil make you do it? No. What does he say? So you will no longer be enslaved to sin. So can, do you have to sin when you're tempted? Is there ever so great a temptation, Sophie? Ever so great a temptation? Because like, oh, I just couldn't handle it and I had to spin. Now, you know, your flesh says that, but your spiritual side doesn't. You, he said in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there's no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God's faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but with the temptation, he will make a way to escape. You and your old flesh want to try to make a way to escape, you're going to fail. 
But if you take his way of escape, he will give you the strength to escape. So you're saying, but man, why do I fail so much? Anybody thinking about that? Why do I, why do I stink at this? <laughs> well, we're going to learn in chapter 7. <laughs> That's where we learn in chapter 7 about all that. That's where Paul goes in more detail. Here, he's just simply telling you who you are so that by faith you can believe it. And if you'll just put it to the test, you'll see it works. But he'll show us a little more in 7 how we can do that even better. But for right now, he just wants you to believe a fact. Eric, oh, why'd you just do that, man? Yeah, well, well what's your name, bro? Eric. I call him Eric. Eric, just good. Well, that's a fact. You're Eric. You believed you're Eric. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, most of the time I get. But yeah, you believe it's a fact. The same way you're dead in Christ, the same way that, that you were raised with Christ, the same way you have resurrection power, the same way. Listen, you guys believe that the blood of Christ paid for your sins and you're saved? So that's salvation. Do you believe that the cross has given you deliverance and you don't have to sin? That's where we have a hard time. And that's what we're going to be learning how better to apply in chapter 6, 7, and 8. But it's chapter 6, he's pretty much telling us right now, look, guys, just believe what I'm saying. Just believe it. In fact, watch. We'll get to this next part here. He said, it brought to nothing that we'll no longer be enslaved to sin. So who here is a, if you're a slave to sin, you're not saved. You are not a slave. So your first thing in identity is knowing I'm not a slave to sin. I don't have to do what sin is trying to get me to do. I don't have to do it. So if you do do it, Barb, why are you doing it? If you do do it. Because who chose to do it? You did. No, you did. You were sleeping. You're still here, though, man. We're good. All right. Somebody else, like, that just woke everybody up. They're like, oh, we were sleeping, too. Oh, my goodness. All right. I'm almost done here. All right. Look at the point. We're not enslaved sin. So check this next part. For one who has died has been set free with sin. So if you are in Christ, you put your life in Christ. If you haven't, then you're not set free. If you really haven't given your life to Christ, but you're doing some religious thing, then no, sin has control over you. All the devil's got to do is dangle the right bait. That's it. But if you are in Christ, the Word of God says, you have been set free. But what if you feel like you're entangled? What if you feel like, man, it's got me, it's got me? Well, that's what you're feeling, right? Are you set free by your feelings? No, you're set free by your faith. Look, psh, no, I'm not, I'm not entangled by this because that's what God's Word says. I'm free. And you've got to believe that. So look what he goes on and says. Now, if we've died with Christ, we believe. We believe. That word believe is believe like you're sitting in that chair again, putting all your faith and trust in it. We believe that we will also live with him. So if we've died with him, we believe we will also live with him. So where is he living right? Where is Christ living right now? Yeah, he's in us. He's, he's in heaven. He's, we're, we're with him. We've got to believe that's what we're with him. As long as we got him, we're good, right? You know, one day we're going to live with forever with him. We believe it because that's what the word of God says in there. We died with him. We were rose with him. We're crucified with him. We rose from him, and we're with him. We know, look at this next verse, that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Okay, Christ died once to pay for sins that he didn't commit so he could pay for our sins. He paid for them because the penalty was a life. The wages of sin is what? Death. You sin, you die. So how many of y'all died for your sins? No, Christ died for your sins. So it says he will never die again. 
death no longer has dominion over him. And the only reason death had dominion is because he volunteered for the job to pay for your sin and then take the punishment for your sin also. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. That one time, boom. Paid for the penalty, took your whooping, covered the, covered the, 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 the price you owed by your sin, which was your life, because all that sin are going to die. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So if Christ is living for God Almighty, who are we living for? God Almighty too. So you don't have a license to sin. Grace gives you, a life, gives you the ability to not sin, to live like God, which is how we're going to live forever. So look what he goes on and says in here. So you must also consider yourselves, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Consider, hey, uh, Lucinda, what does consider mean? What does it mean to be considerate? If you're being considerate to your husband, Tom, what does that mean? Yeah, you're th and you're thinking about him all the time, and you're actually putting action to that. You're thinking about putting him first, and you're actually doing that. And you have to consider something to be considerate. So what he's talking about here is he's saying you have to consider, you have to think about what faith is telling you that your feelings are not telling you. You have to think about what faith's telling you that your desires are not telling you. You have to think about what faith's telling you that your thoughts are not telling you. You've got to consider what God said, and then you have to actually do it. And it'll work. He promises it'll work. So look at this. He goes on, by faith, you have to be who you are in Christ. So he's already said you can be. A couple of quick verses. Look at this. So let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body. <laughs> Simple, right? How many of y'all ever, ever sin knowing you're going to sin? Anybody ever do that? All right, thank you for being honest. Some of y'all just didn't want to raise your hand and lie. And, but yeah, he said, don't let it reign in your mortal body. You know you're faced with a temptation. You know what God wants. You know what, you know what God wants. You know what you want. Don't do what you want. Do what God wants. He said, don't let this be king in your mortal body. Don't let sin. Because when you sin, the consequence is death. And even if you're saved eternally, when you sin on this earth, the consequence is death. Your dreams, your hopes, your relationships, everything you do dies if you do it in sin. And you don't have to because you're in a new family of life. How stupid of me and you when we, when we live in sin, when we don't have to. Don't let sin. So that's how, Bob, what's the solution? Read me the first, the first few lines. Do not let sin, therefore. <laughs> that's it. Don't sin. Ashley, you ever been tempted? Oh, man, those kids. I'm just... I'm just your mom, you're in the middle of all that. You ever been tempted? You know, yeah. And, and, and you're like, oh, don't sin. Don't sin. It's simple. Julie, it's so simple. Don't sin. Tanya, it's so simple. Don't sin. Isn't that simple? Yeah, it's simple. Abby, don't sin. Just don't do it. That's what he says. Aren't you glad he went really deep with us? <laughs> okay, get your notepad out. Get your notepad. This is life-changing right here. Eric. Don't sin. <laughs> easy for you to say. Well, no, it is. It's easy for Christ to say. And if we're in Christ, it's easy for us to say. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. Have you ever just sinned because you thought you had no shot against it? You had no chance. Well, this is the way I got to do it. Well, this is, what, this is what everybody else does. 
this is how we have to do it in this world. This is how everything goes. We're, yeah, sin, okay, well, you know what? God will forgive me later. Whatever. No, give it a shot. But you don't understand the consequences if I do it the right way. You don't understand. It's going to mess everything up. No, it might fix everything if you just do it his way. Look what he says. Tell me that is not simple but hard. Chuck, what's the answer? Don't sin. <laughs> so if, it's, if he gives us that simple of an answer, do you think that he's given us the ability to carry it out? Yeah. Anytime we're tempted to sin, Mary, what does he say? Don't sin. <laughs> How many of y'all think that's too simple? <laughs> but that's what he's been telling you. You have resurrection power. You don't have to sin, but the world's got you enjoying. It's got your old body, not your nature. It's got your old body, your flesh. Enjoy sin for a season. But man, what he's going to tell us later in Romans is you're going to enjoy God much more if you don't sin. So here's your deep solution, guy. When you're faced with temptation, all on the count of three, what do we, what do we, what's the answer? One, two, three. No sin. <laughs> it's that simple. Austin. I don't get it. Why do young men make such stupid decisions? Terry, he wants to hear, you know, because they sin. So what's the answer, Austin? There you go. Look, look Terry in the eye and just say, <laughs> yeah, don't sin. It's easy if you have Christ. If you don't have Christ, it's impossible. But if you have Christ, it's easy. Give it a shot. You know why we don't do it? Because we think we've been convinced it's impossible. We convinced that it's not going to work out right. It's not going to happen. God says, don't sin. It's as simple as that. And it's the solution. Be who you are in Christ. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. You see it? Passions. Those are your feelings. Those are your desires. Those are your thoughts. They feed each other. And now you have a passion to sin. Not the old man. He's dead. Your new man doesn't have a passion. It's your flesh that this world continually feeds. So quit feeding off this world and feed off the word. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members. This is your members, the old flesh, to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. Check this out. That word instruments, and we're almost done. That word instruments is, is it translated also as weapon. So look at this. Do not present your members as sin, as weapons for unrighteousness. So every time you listen to the flesh that's been enticed by this world and you do the wrong thing, Satan is using you as a weapon against righteousness. How many of y'all want to be used by Satan? Remember the song, I'm in the Lord's army, yes, sir, right? Let's change that. I'm in Satan's army. Y'all want to sing that? No, you don't want to be it. But we don't see it that way. You got to understand when we yield, and you don't have to yield to Satan. You don't have to yield to the flesh. When we do, we're using our God-given ability as a weapon against God. Chuck, what happens when you fight God? You're going to lose. <laughs> you really want to be a loser? <laughs> Quit fighting God. You, but look what he says. But present yourselves. Later he's going to tell us in Romans 12 a lot about presenting your body as a living sacrifice. But here he says, present yourselves to God. 
So you're faced in a temptation, ready to do something. Man, all of a sudden, you present yourself to God and say, God, what do you want me to do in this? Tom, that's what you do, man. What do you want me to do in this right now, God? And you follow him. Now, he says, instead of being a weapon used by Satan against God, you are now going to be a weapon by God used against Satan. But you got to present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as weapons for righteousness. Your choice. You want to be a weapon used by Satan against God or a weapon used by God against Satan? It's your choice. Neither, they're not going to make you. God gives you that choice. And that's what you do. So you just do it. For sin has no dominion, no rule, no power over you since you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Since you are in, does sin have any power over Christ? And where are you? Who are you in? Christ. You're there. But what if you don't believe it? Oh, I'm not really in Christ right now. You get to be used as a weapon by Satan against God. Whereas if you believe who you are in Christ, God wants you to be a warrior. God's setting you up to squash unrighteousness. How much unrighteousness do you see in the world right now? And who did God leave behind to squash the unrighteousness? Everybody say me. Yeah, me. That's our job. But you got to believe who you are in Christ. And again, he's going to give us more details, give us more battle plans. Right now, here's all he's saying is, don't sin. <laughs> I, I've given you the power to not sin, so don't sin. And I want to give you, a, I'm going to give you that challenge. Ask the Holy Spirit, remind you. Say, Holy Spirit, let me know before I sin. Let me know before I do it. And, give me the, and let me make the choice. And then you make the choice. And say, no, I'm not going to sin. And then go do the right thing and see if Satan can overpower you. He can't. And as you keep overpowering him because you're in Christ, you gain more confidence and you get harder and harder to uproot. Let me share this and I close. Um, in this, I, I read another illustration about, you know, well, it was a thing. If you were to take Gavin, where's Gavin? Is he still here? Is he down there? Gavin, there you are, man. Gavin, if you took, if you took four trees, man, Four trees, and, and, and you, you, planted, you planted four trees, and you let them start growing. But after a month, you ripped three of them up. Which one's going to be strong? The, the one you left there, right? So next to it, instead, now you plant another tree a year later. So you got a tree four years old, or, or a tree that was planted, you know? Then a year later, another tree planted. And which one's going to be stronger? The one that's been in the ground longer. The next year, you plant another tree. The next year, you plant another tree. And you leave them alone. Which one's going to be stronger? Which one's going to be more rooted? Which, one's de which one is going to be harder to uproot? The one that has been planted the longest. But what if you took the tree of the second year and you ripped it up? And you decided, oh, we're going to let it sit out here for a little while. And then a month or two later, you replant it. And fortunately, it starts to grow. And then you do it again. You keep ripping the tree out and planting it. Keep ripping out and planting it. Is it going to be as strong as the tree that had been planted and rooted from the beginning? Well, you'll probably, probably be lucky to even have it alive in that. So which represents our spiritual walk? Are we the tree that when he planted, we're planted, and we're faced with sin, we say, I'm not going to do it. That's what he's telling us to do, man. 
don't do it. You're going to dig what God has for you way more than what the world has for you. So quit uprooting yourself and planting it again. Quit uprooting yourself. Quit the one, stay planted. Stay planted in him. You're going to be strong. The more you develop being used as a weapon by God, the more you develop that, the stronger. That will become your lifestyle. That will become who you are. And it will be harder to uproot than the tree that gets ripped up and replanted, ripped up and replanted. Quit being that guy. You don't have to. What's the solution on the count of three again? When you're faced with sin, what's the solution? One, two, three. Amen. Glad y'all got that. Let's pray. Father, I'm coming in the name of Jesus. And um, Father, I know the first few chapters of Romans, he really hit home that we've got to be saved, got to be born again. We don't come in this world that way. And um, no hope of salvation. Father, he could have taken Adam out the moment Adam sinned and nobody else would have been born after him because he said, you're going to die. But instead, he let him live a hundred and something years and have offspring that were all going to be like him. And it seems kind of unfair that whether we like it or not, we were born into Adam's family with a sentence to die. But if he had taken Adam out, Father, if you'd have taken him out, Father, um, I'd have never been born. And I'd have never had the chance to be born again. And I'd never have the chance to be able to live with you forever. So thank you for making me born into the Adams family. But thank you for sending your grace and mercy to let me know that I'd have to stay there. That I could join your family. And I can live in you and have eternal life, which is a quality of life that starts now. Father, I pray that if there's someone here that needs to leave the Adams family and be born again into a new family, today be the day they do that. But I pray for us who claim to be Christians that we know we've been born again. We would understand who we are. And the biggest thing about who we are is we're in you, Christ. We were there at your death. We were there at your burial. We were there at the resurrection. We were there at it all because you said we were. And we can now live in resurrection power and the solution to sin is just simply not to do it. Oh, it sounds, we got probably so many, so many reasons why it's not going to work, Father, but it's your word. And if we would just believe your word and instead of sinning, choose not to. If we're born again, Father, we'll see it works. Help us choose because you've given us grace, which is the desire and ability to do your will. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.